Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today we have a, a very special guest, one of my closest friends, Andrew Alanis, is joining us. We're going to be talking about career. Now, Andrew, uh, thank you for, for joining the show today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. You know, I support everything you do. Always, from the very beginning. <laughs> How's your day going so far? Oh, it's good. Um, Nothing uh, too crazy. Uh, I uh, actually I started uh, swimming uh, this week, so uh, right, that's okay. actually uh, been pretty cool. Uh, I was a bit of swimmer most of my life, so getting me out to a pool after a couple of years. All right, feels good. You know, feels feels nice. That is a beautiful thing. Exercise is a beautiful thing, and I, I like how you said uh, supported me in everything that I do. I know we're podcasting now. I remember back almost if maybe a decade ago, and I was trying to start a little landscaping business and. And you helped me out. You helped me get some equipment for the, for the business. I'm just grateful that all along the way you supported me. I know jumping on the podcast to be able to connect. And one, I, I value our friendship that we have. But then to be able to take our friendship and then share it with people around us is a powerful thing for me. For sure, man. I, uh, I, I definitely remember the leap lower days. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, we'll jump right in. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with a little true or false section. And then uh, we'll get a chance to have some conversation and then we'll dig a little bit deeper into uh, a fill in the blank section and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about career. So uh, tell me, true or false, most people are miserable in their job. Uh, I definitely think true. That's, uh, that's, it's, it's not too common that you have a lot of people who are fully fulfilled in their career so in their job. So uh, I think most people even, I, I actually work it's a, at my dream job really. Um, and even I can find faults in kind of what I'm currently doing. So uh, yes, um, with that 100%. I know, even when, for me, when it came to that point of considering this new endeavor, right? Strong life coach, starting the business, and focus on motivational speaking, coaching, consulting, and doing all of this. There was a concern because most people I knew, it was almost like it was more normal to be dissatisfied hmm. then normal it wasn't it wasn't normal to be like okay i'm in my ideal position with ideal income with ideal what i and i'm using my gifts that's it's a more rare jewel to your point yeah for sure all right question number two in the true or false area most people are undervalued or underpaid in their job i'd say that's true again um, it's actually, I don't think businesses would do, uh, the right thing if they kept on giving people more than they feel in value. They're always trying to get the best deal, the best uh, rate. And so I think it's just natural for in the business world to, to always, um, try to get someone at a very good premium, a very good price. Um, and I think that's the idea of fighting back for your value is, is something that is not commonly done. Yes. And I've heard you use that phrase before, uh, fighting back for your value, fighting back for your salary. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a great visual of the thinking about, to think about, I am valuable, I bring substance, I bring, um, I make this place better because of my contribution and my talent. And then to go after uh, being compensated appropriately. Yeah. All right. True or false question number three is, the smartest candidate has the best chance at getting the job. That's false. 
Uh, I definitely uh, have been in a position where uh, the smartest candidate wasn't the strongest person that I wanted to hire, or I've been in the position where I probably felt like I wasn't the strongest candidate and I was hired. Um, people devalue just subconsciously the the strength of personal personability and being able to be the most liked candidate in an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and thanks for sharing that. Even I know your experience, you've helped me um, with the interview process, I know we've done uh, mock interviews. We've mm-hmm. done we've done uh, resume reviews, and so you've seen quite a bit of with you with some of your experience. Tell me a little bit about your experience in um, with with resumes. So, so uh, I've actually I'm a software engineer by trade, um, and that's uh, something where uh, it's a very fluid industry. A lot of people uh, try to get the most amount for their um, for their time and their uh, salary. It's a very competitive field. Um, And so I started with just helping people in the tech industry try to get break into software development. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I realized a lot of the skills and the things that I've learned throughout um, college, through, um, I I know I I was part of a business fraternity that did, I think 15 interviews per semester um, that you had to be on, actually take the interviews and then also critique interviews Mm -hmm. and also do resume writing. So it started there. Um, but then I started uh, realizing that a lot of people need it more than just software development jobs and people in all careers could benefit from a lot of these very general skills uh, that people miss out on marketing themselves, interviewing well, and having a good and seeable and, 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 and good and very visible resume. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think along the way, you've probably looked at what, the hundreds or you, you, you even say thousands of resumes. I, I mean, it's got to be in the hundreds. I don't think it's in the thousands yet. Um, mm-hmm. Probably in the low hundreds if I really um, take it conservatively. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, all of that experience is valuable. You know, you be able to see trends. I know we're going to come back um, to that concept. Now, well, when it comes to, let's jump into the, the fill in the blank section here. So um, the, first, the first one is I, I recommend people not change jobs if if you actually feel like your company is making it hard for you to do so so uh case in point um if you don't really you really don't want to leave a job that you have to oh man i'm i'm gonna have to get this much of an increase in order to leave uh or i have to have these many benefits Uh, that kind of tells you right there that uh the company that you're doing is actually doing a really good job at keeping up to market pricing and keeping benefits to where they really make you think like there's an unknown aspect of where you're going to go, you know, for your next job. So they have to make that premium so hard, like uh, it's got to be so good that uh, to take that unknown risk it, for just this much amount of money is not going to be worth it. Okay. So if so, what I'm hearing, if I understand it right, is if an organization is doing their part to invest in you to mm-hmm. pay you well to take care of your benefits well to where they're if they're making it challenging for you to even see the grass greener on the other side that's when you might want to stay put where you are yeah because i i think that that's just telling of what the company values and what the company is doing uh in research and in their hr um i and i think that's that's definitely if you find it very easy to get tempted by other offers or other uh, types of places that you can go, other opportunities, then that probably tells you that you probably are worth more. You're just not getting acknowledged for it where you're at. Mm-hmm. Great insight. All right, the second fill in the blank. The most common problem I've seen in people's resumes is 
not making it easy for someone to read through in within 10 to 15 seconds to see if you meet the minimum qualifications. Wow, 10, 15 seconds. Yes, that's the average amount of time that someone is going to probably scan through a resume and decide in that moment, I'm going to look further down and see if I want to bring this person in or not. Wow. Um, generally, if they've stayed on your resume longer than 15 seconds, then you have a very, very good chance that they're actually going to keep you and take note and come back to you and put you in a call. Okay, so, and so, and so what, what is that tip or what is that trick to be able to help people to get that 15 seconds or longer on, the, on your resume? Well, the number one problem, you got to think in terms of the person reviewing the resume, the number one problem uh, that they have is that they have 100 resumes uh, or more and uh, they need to find only the ones that meet the minimum qualifications of the job description. Um, so if you don't help them see that right away, uh, up in front on the top of your resume, uh, then they're just gonna they're just gonna go to the next one, mm -hmm. and so you won't be given the chance. And so that's that's the most common problem. Usually, they have some of the most important skills and things on the bottom of their resume or on the next page, and that's really not uh, mirrored up to the job description. And so um, to make it very easy for them, you, you just got to think in terms of the other person looking at your resume. Mm -hmm. How can I make it easy for them to do their job? Which their job is to go through hundreds of resumes to find a good chunk of 10 to 20 people to call. Wow, okay, great insight. Great behind the scenes perspective. Now, the next one we have for you is, is I've noticed the biggest obstacle in an interview is? Talking about pay and negotiations and, and trying to uh, keep that to the very end. Mm -hmm. um, that's, I think that's the biggest obstacle that a lot of people get fearful of and they actually don't know how to answer. I think the second one to that would be weaknesses, but I think it, this one kind of ties into that because when we are asked to put a number out, we're asked to put a value on ourselves before we even get a chance to know the company or even uh, if they get a chance to know us. Mm -hmm. And so there's that that's big obstacle is knowing how to navigate that big, that big question and that big uh, ask uh, throughout the interview process, whether it's a phone interview when they first contact you or if it's during the actual in-person interview. Mm -hmm. And you brought up that self-value, and so I almost want to highlight and emphasize that. So would you say that most people um, undervalue their contributions and their, their talent? Well, I, I think most people actually, it, it, it's very rare that someone's naturally going to want to overboast about themselves. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in sales and you're being, even you have to be trained in sales mm -hmm. to actually market yourself. You know, mm -hmm. I think it comes naturally to not overpromise something. And so there's this kind of fear that we have a little bit to, well, what if I say this and I don't make it up to that, then I'm on the spot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's a very good uh, concept to always, you know, uh, under promise and over deliver. You know, mm -hmm. I think as an engineer, we always talk about projects and we always try to do that, you know, under promise, over deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to actually your self-worth and interviewing, that's actually not the, the path that you want to take. Um, because that mm -hmm. type of uh, insecurity is not going to do well for your uh, for the negotiations in the future uh, of your career. Um, if there's anything that I could probably say is that uh, in your career and as well as an entrepreneur or starting a small business is that you need to take risk. So you need to bet on yourself and take risk and investment on yourself mm -hmm. um, to actually get somewhere in your career. Take risk, invest in yourself, bet on yourself. Uh, those are those are concepts that resonate for me deep into my soul. 
Um, I know we'll probably be covering some more content on that when it comes to what does an investment in myself look like. And even um, a, a, a story I read, I think it was last night, and, and the story was about a jewelry, um, jewelry store owner that was having a hard time selling you know, turquoise jewelry in their store. Mm-hmm. And, and they were trying to lower the price and then lower the price, and they continued to have a harder time selling the turquoise jewelry. So the, the owner was going to be out of town, so they wrote a note to one of the workers to go ahead and cut the price straight in half. And then so the, the, the owner left town for the week and then came back, and then they found out that um, the, virtually all of the turquoise jewelry was, was sold. And then so, but then the owner was surprised because the worker actually had misread the note. Instead of t- t- turning all of the turquoise jewelry at half price, um, by accident, by misreading the note, they, they did it double the price. <laughs> and what they found was they were like, well, well what actually took place? Well, because the jewelry was heightened in its price and people often associate high price with high quality, they were seeing the jewelry at a bigger price and they figured this must be greater quality and and that's why they were buying it. And it's an interesting thing when you take up that transition to ourselves. Um, If we have a low value of us and a low value of what we expect for the services that we provide and the contributions that I can make, then sometimes it's difficult to convey how valuable I am of an asset if I'm willing to take so little money as far as income goes or even salary goes. That's right. And I think there's the idea that we, um, again, uh, we tend to think, well, if I put this price in, then I have to come and deliver. Well, challenge yourself to deliver that. And actually, I would say that in that scenario, in that story, the jewelry is actually a very, um, the price could be basically what everyone thinks of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of not really hard, cold stone supply and demand all the time, especially when it comes to jewelry. And you think that if that's the case, then what is the people at the store actually doing? Well, they're providing good customer service. So if you do actually have a higher price, then to, for you to live up to that is after the fact, you say, well, I'm going to provide uh, the best customer service to this, to this client. And so in the same way in a job, if you're going to put a certain value to yourself and it's going to be even higher than you think you really are worth, then go ahead and prove it after the fact. And that's the risk taking. And that's the actually challenge that you put to yourself when mm-hmm. you actually put a higher value rather than starting at a lower value. Mm-hmm. Spot on. I'm with that 100%. Let's uh, jump into the next little category here. So when, we, when it comes to your career, what would you say has been the, the most challenging or the hardest move or change you've had to make in your career? Well, um, when I was a kid and teenager, I actually got into software development and uh, software engineering um, because I played games and I wanted to be a game developer. I think everyone can relate to that. Uh, we played Mario, we played you know, Sonic or any of those other games uh, back in the 90s. And uh, I wanted to basically be that person to develop. But I had a really bad problem in the sense that those kind of jobs were very, very challenging, and it seemed to require some sort of intelligence and some sort of skill. And I'm thinking, like, I may think that I'm uh, pretty smart, but I know there's probably a million or a billion people in China that are way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's this idea that uh, I ended up actually going to change careers as I went through college to pursue business finance. Um, and uh, looking back, that was actually a good choice. I ended up getting a career 
uh, straight out of college um, with a corporate budget analyzing and uh, actually doing financial analyst work. And that was a good career. It was really a really good job uh, with the energy company local here. Um, and they gave good benefits. I was there for three years. When I think about it, that's probably the longest job I've actually been at in, in my career. I think I'm coming up to it with my current uh, full-time job. And so uh, it was a lot to leave. I had a really good boss. I had really good coworkers. I, I felt like I at that time I was getting paid what I asked for because I actually – uh, I think my first negotiation out of there, I was like, this is the price I'm worth. And she was like, okay. Um, and so at that time, I felt like, you know, I had it good there. Uh, but someone had heard about my work. I had done some pretty good work uh, in IT field and actually going over to that. And there was a job that was basically kind of set up for me in software development. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the challenge to that was I was leaving this really good job where everyone thought that, man, all these things that he's doing to like introduce programming and scripts into our processes and automating everything, that's, that, that's amazing. Like, and mm -hmm. everyone appreciated it for me. And now I was going to industry, well, that was the expected thing. That mm -hmm. was the standard. And if you weren't up to the, to the standard, then you fail. And, mm -hmm. and so that, that kind of scary feeling of going to something unknown without any help uh, was really challenging, and um, I was given, I you know, I took the interview and I did switch to that career, but that first year was just basically me learning mm -hmm. and me failing a lot um, and and doing it really on someone else's dime and, and, and really understanding, like, hey, I still got to go through it and I still have to grow and challenge myself, and I have to not be afraid to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, career changes can be frightening. They can be upsetting. They can be... Um, they can cause somebody to to, um, to stress out, to worry, and uh, anxiety to come in. I know, uh, of course, I, I went through a, a big career change earlier this year, and there was a lot of thought that went into it. There was prayer that went into it, and there was uh, there was what well, the way it happened for me is I found out that my my current role was being eliminated. Mm -hmm. Now, kind of what happened behind the scenes is before I, they made that big announcement that my role was being eliminated. I had applied for another role. It was a, it was a lateral role, mm -hmm. and that that role was moving forward. But at that point in time, when they made the announcement that my role was being eliminated, and then I I was in the running to get this lateral role, I had I was also I felt called, and I felt like my purpose is speaking, and it, my purpose is communicating. And there had been different opportunities thrown my way from um, speaking in the corporate world, and then speaking. In, in a variety of settings in, the, in, the, in, in, uh, in, in, in prisons in Texas, then in, um, and then even in the church, we're getting opportunities there. And so there's invitational uninvitations. You know, I was asked to officiate a couple of weddings and I'm like, they, surely they got the wrong guy. Like, you know, um, I'm not a minister or anything like that. So, and even when they would ask me, I'm like, okay, well, let me see. I, do I have permission? Am I, am I qualified for something like this? Mm -hmm. And so I felt the call to do something different where I could spend the vast majority of my time in my area of strengths. But there's still, there's still fear and there's doubt that if I make this move, will I be successful? Mm -hmm. Because there seems, because when I thought about my current role was being eliminated, but I could have potentially got this other role if I stayed in the running. Or should I withdraw and really say, all right, I'm pursuing speaking, I'm pursuing coaching, 
I'm pursuing consulting, which interestingly enough, I've been doing that for a long time. I've just been doing it pro bono. So, yeah. And uh, let me also preface it, but I was lucky. Um, I got offered a position that was kind of already made for me mm. to have that switch. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people get that. And I know you were lucky too, as well with the, uh, the, the company that you actually uh, left. They were actually really good. So mm -hmm. um, some, some of these kind of career changes are not uh, easy to come by and they're not always so simple. But either way, whether it's simple to get or not, it still comes with the same challenge. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that's real. Awesome. Now, we'll be covered maybe the more difficult, the more challenging arena of of your career in, in that big decision you had to make that was that was hard. Now, on the other side of it, what have you found to be the most rewarding, whether it be in your career or helping other people with their careers? So I've been helping and developing people in their uh, career and uh, helping them with the resume, helping them with the interview process, and also helping them with negotiations on their, on their salary and, and offers. Um, and one of the most fulfilling things I've been able to do is really uh, champion um, uh, women actually in the workforce and uh, a good friend of mine um, they uh, it was a young lady who's very smart very intelligent um, you know did the right things right she went to go to college she got good grades uh, went and said you know I'm gonna stay and get my master's while I'm at it too and I think she graduated with her master's in about five years um, and had everything ahead of her and she had wanted to do things in social work and nonprofit sector which for the most part, I think when you go through college jobs, part-time jobs, they pay you very minimal because they're trying to do a lot of good in the world. Um, but one of the things that she wanted to kind of break into was being into more of the, you know, project manager or grant writing a manager or, you know, being more into the more office roles of nonprofit industry. Mm -hmm. And it was really tough because I think one of the things that, uh, we have to realize is it's a very competitive job market. And uh, sometimes one thing that uh, I see a lot is that people don't assert themselves enough to actually uh, warrant their value. So I was really able to help her kind of see that and say, hey, you know, um, you actually are very qualified. You actually are very experienced. So you did this, this, and this. And as she was talking to me and kind of interviewing me, she was like, wow, like I am very qualified. Mm -hmm. and. And it was interesting because, you know, a lot of times with the people I help, I have to I ask them and I let them know it's okay if, if you let me know what your pay history was. Mm -hmm. And she started looking through jobs with me. And we every time I do deal with uh, people like this, we're always on the on the clock kind of applying to jobs while we're doing our get togethers. Mm -hmm. And she starts seeing some of the jobs and the qualification we're applying to. And she's like saying, man, this much money, I've, I would only dream if I made that much money in mm -hmm. my job. And I kind of had to tell her, you, you should be making that money like a year ago. This mm -hmm. is something that actually was within your grasp. You just need to really realize it mm -hmm. and see it. It's already there and you're very well qualified. So, I mean, um, she eventually did get the job and, and it was really easy, actually. I told her that she was going to have to apply to like 20 or 30 more jobs and she got a call the next day mm -hmm. and actually ended up working for that job. So that was kind of really fulfilling. But uh, it, it's cr crazy how much you can actually help people uh, just reach higher goals in their career just by being there and being that coach and that feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think you're a great example in being a, uh, a, a willing servant. Like, I, I'm going to serve. I'm going to build up. And 
really what I've seen you do is you you kind of mine that gold. You know, you like her potential was in there. You were you heightened that, you emphasized it, and you showed her. By the way, this is you. You've done the hard work. You've cultivated your talent. You've you've attained your education. You've done. You have great experience, and you're able to just really encourage her and lift her, even in the way that she sees herself. And then even in that situation, she was able to get that job. So that's a phenomenal thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I think that's what's great about that work. Um, you know, I feel like it's something that I've been helped at uh, with a lot of different organizations and people, and it's just giving back in a lot of ways. Um, and I, you know, I feel like uh, it gets to a point where you're, you're, you've gotten so much uh, really good at something over a long period of time that people are just starting to, to refer you and and tell you about your friends and that's always really encouraging uh, mm -hmm. that they that they've uh, had a good experience yes and that's uh it's it's been you know i'm i'm uh, i think three and a half months into the, the journey right of, of the strong life coach branding and and out the gate you know we started so speaking at speaking to students at middle school speaking speaking to students at elementary and speaking mm -hmm. to students at the high school level and then speaking at the in the nonprofit world and speaking um, so these opportunities are, are coming my way, you know, next week, um, actually in eight days, um, I'll be speaking at a conference in, in Dallas, and then I'll be in an Akron, Ohio in, um, in August. So all these, the, the opportunities are coming, and for, to, for me, in a similar vein, um, seeing that this is a, an act of service, that all of my life, and how I've, what, what different people have been teaching me and showing me, it's... I've been kind of kind of grabbing onto it, and now I'm just letting what they've showed me, what they've told me, what I've learned from other places to flow through me, and I'm just want to be the great vessel, the great servants, to be able to give people great content in whatever avenue. We're, so if we're, if we're podcasting, I always want people to feel like, hey, what we're talking about, what we're discussing, actually helps people. Like today, we're talking about career principles that can actually help people to think through their self value, to think through their career, to maybe make some risk or make investments in themselves and so to me it gets me charged up energized and passionate about what i can do with my voice from a speaker's perspective or with my or with um with coaching and drawing these these this commitment and this accountability um into with people to be able to help them to um, to be successful so it's a just to your point um i i am with you there's something about serving and using the gift that you've you've received, it, what I'm seeing is it's a gift of knowledge and it's the gift of insight and the gift of even of experience and using that experience to build up those around you. You know, and it's all about becoming a great professional too. I think the people don't say that word enough that what, what is professional, what does it mean? And it, it really comes to actually bettering yourself little by little in every areas. And so I appreciate just even the material and the things that you do for coaching and 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 motivating people because uh you know i really feel that we all have something in us uh it's just that sometimes it might not be good timing and we need to work on things uh but we all have that ability to achieve higher it's mm. just really when we're going to be ready to do it and and what we're willing to to, to risk or or even sacrifice to put in that time to do it mm -hmm. and uh, to that to that point a conversation i was having about the way people can see their own career and people can can almost think oh well i'm not a doctor and i'm not saving lives hmm. like you know i'm not bringing people back from death or i'm not um 
you know, opening somebody's skull and, and doing brain surgery, or mm-hmm. I'm not doing a heart transplant. And you have some of these incredibly rare roles, or even, um, you know, people might go, okay, I'm doing something that's fulfilling and changing. Oh, well, everybody has a specific role. Mm-hmm. And even what we're talking about with the speech that, that we're giving next uh, Saturday is about like being influential right where you are mm-hmm. and making a difference right where you are. You, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be a speaker or a coach or, um, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's an opportunity for you to be influential and to make a difference and an impact right where you are and with the people around you. Um, so, you know, the one number one thing I hear about this in, in career development is, oh, I can't do that because I'm not, I'm not qualified for that. And I'm like, there's never a time where you're going to feel like the best qualified. It's really something you have to get used to telling yourself that you're qualified for anything. Because think about it. I mean, like the analogy with the doctor or the lawyer. I mean, that lawyer had to take his first courtroom case at one point. Mm-hmm. Did he know what he was doing exactly? No, he had no experience to draw on other than knowledge that he got. Mm-hmm. And so he had to take that risk. And same thing with the doctor. The first time they did a surgery, that was the first time they actually had someone's real life. Mm-hmm. do and that first time that they went into that surgery room mm-hmm. um without supervision without someone else having to go to and just you being the one making the decision and so when we really think about all these professions they didn't really do anything to skip that first time process mm-hmm. they ended up just taking a risk and saying you know i'm gonna do it anyway so I, and i think that's viable for anything any job can be like that i think we we tend to just fall into what we do and then we just kind of stay there mm-hmm and I know you brought up the, the concept of investment. What do you think that that looks like? And uh, and well, surely we could develop it. You know, maybe even in a, in a separate podcast. But what do you think it looks like when you see somebody and you and you actively see them investing in themselves? If we were to paint a picture, what would that picture look like? Well, I think they're very good initiators in a lot of things. So. Um, you know, a person who's investing in themselves are going to initiate uh, contacting people who are going to help them. Uh, they're good at initiating uh, finding materials and, and course materials, and they're actually seeking and learning. Um, they're not being someone who's kind of told or, or being led to a certain place. I think that's kind of where the core of it uh, is, is first you have to make the decision to make the initiation and start doing it um, and start seeking uh, that help. Um, and I think you'd be surprised how much uh can get value out of just being that one with the seeking heart um uh, just uh, understanding that this is something that i need to get at and uh, I, I guess you could limit it kind of talk about uh just having the heart in a game you know if you're talking about an nba or an nfl game and you know that player who has heart the one who's just clawing at everything i think that's kind of what it takes to self-develop yourself in your career but also um anywhere else um, and what I see a lot of times is that the people who do successful things in adding to their value and investing themselves are the ones who are initiating and, and taking that risk. And they're not just one to say, I'm going to do that someday, but actually start saying, no, that day is the day. Let me do that. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that initiation, taking action, doing something right now. I think there's a few things I have on my list that I've been kind of letting sit out there. Um, and I think it, it, it's given me some motivation to be able to take action. There's, there's certain ways that, I have, that I've dreamt about serving the community that I've never done it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's like even this one I, I was looking up the other day. Um, what does it take to be a volunteer chaplain at a hospital? Mm-hmm. And I was looking, I was like, I mean, I was reading the qualifications. And 
again, my world of speaking right now, um, I have more flexibility than I've, than I've had before. And I've spoken in various environments, orphans in Central America, in the prison setting. Again, I mentioned them earlier, but I've n never had this the opportunity to be around those that are um, that are sick, but then also the family members, because it's you know illness is one of the things that it doesn't just affect the person that's ill, but it affects um, the people, the friends, and the family um, around them. And I was like, uh, why not? You know, why not mm -hmm. try something new? And, uh, and and what I found is it's like the proverb says, you know, the person who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. And why not just make that something that I do new just to give back to the community? Yeah. Um, and I, I think also it's just even the idea of uh, contacting people um, online or people who've written things uh, like a good book or something like that, um, taking initiation to really uh, talk to others. Um, you'd be surprised how many times people actually uh, respond to uh, email requests or something like that. Uh, a good story is uh, I was listening to some sort of uh, an interview like this at a conference that uh, Amazon owner Jeff Bezos gave. Uh, it was talking about the tech conference and it's talking about technology and, and, and engineers. And in that they had a certain exchange where he said, um, anyone can email me anytime. I look at all my emails and I respond to everyone. And I was like, when I saw that in the interview, I was like, yeah, right. Come on. Like, <laughs> you got like a secretary or something like that can't possibly be. And he said, put it in my challenge. If you send me an email, I will respond to it. And I was like, okay. So I make up an email. This is initiation part. I'm like, I'm just going to do something crazy. I'm going to email and say, hey, Jeff, I just wanted to say thank you for speaking at this event. It really inspired me. And mm. I, I want to just encourage you to keep on giving to communities like this um, because I think, you know, I'm a young developer and, um, you know, it's definitely inspiring to me. So some spiel, I think I even talked about my upcoming engagement because I was going to get married at that time. So it was about a, a quick paragraph, sent it off within 15 seconds, maybe not even a minute, I, somewhere in there, I get a response back and said, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, so I don't know if it was Jeff who did it, but he was right to his word if it was true. He responded with thanks. Uh, he responded immediately. He didn't just let the email just sit and be like, oh, you know. And so uh, I, I, I guess I, I'll do that challenge too. If you ever need anything, you know, andrew4336 at gmail.com. That's always – I will respond. Jeff, I, read, I, so I, read, I, I read every email that comes in. Uh, okay. I, I, I haven't got to the level where I respond to every email, <laughs> although I, that, that has actually challenged me a lot. But I, 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 you know what? If someone did respond in the way that I did, say, mm -hmm. "Hey, I'm really encouraged. I, I really like to talk." I would definitely respond. And, I, and I, that's not the first time I've done that. There was also some other engineers that I looked up to that I also emailed from one of their uh, projects, and and they responded, and they were actually really cool. That hey, someone appreciated my work. So mm -hmm. just the idea of saying thanks and just reaching out. I mean. We, ne we, d we don't really think about that in this day and age. We think people are too busy, but no one's too busy for a thank you. Right? Mm. So Andrew4336 at gmail.com. Yep. So he will, he's committed to reading your email. Not yet responding, but, but reading it. So everything we talked about, you know, you, hey, you want to throw a resume out there? You, you know, you, you need a little support. Um, I know you've, you've actually started a, um, a, an initiative um, I don't know. You're saying the name? Are you saying the name? Are you, yes. 
Yeah, okay. Career Hatch. Career Hatch. CareerHatch.com. Yeah, I'm working on a website. I'm a developer, so I'm actually putting it together. But um, I'm trying to put more content out there because uh, I've been doing this for a couple of years, uh, one-on-one, more of on coaching, coaching, consultation basis. Mm. Um, and so obviously uh, it's probably not good for my time to always keep scheduling that. So I'm trying to open it up to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's currently in development right now. So that's uh, interviewing, resume support, and salary negotiation and just general career professional development okay so cultivate your career.com <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay that's my friend emily my friend emily uh, so anyway um but um awesome all right so final thoughts to close out today's podcast on career i would say um don't don't let this uh, your professional development and career go unnoticed and go ignored. Um, spend that time uh, and and really get with someone uh, to have that feedback. Whether it's me, it, whether it's a life coach like Derek or anyone else, there's something that's just so good about going to one person or even a group of advisors and saying, "Hey, you know, I had an opportunity." Uh, they called me back or I'm having an interview. What do you think about this response? What do you think about? Uh, they gave me an offer. How should I respond? Should should I accept it? Should I wait a few days? There's all these questions that honestly we all think about when we get that kind of opportunity. And to have that kind of support group and to have that kind of community is a must whenever you're doing professional development. And don't ignore it. I would say also too that you should never really stop looking for a job, even when you have a job, because really in a, in a, in this age you're always developing your career. Mm-hmm. You're not always even if you're you're very good at your job and you like where you're at. I think it's always a good question to ask yourself, okay, are, are they developing me? Are they investing in me? And mm-hmm. do, do they value me? That's always something that you can always work at. Love that. You know, there's a pearl that, that I thought of as you were speaking about advisors and getting outside perspective, but it's, um, it's elevate your respect mm-hmm. for objective perspective. Mm-hmm. It's right there. That's, you tweet that out now. <laughs> Hashtag. awesome well thank you so much for for joining us today about to to speak about career again uh, with the the strong life coach we again we're speaking life coaching life writing life leading life and then we're doing and of course we had andrew alanis and check out uh career hatch or send him the email andrew4336 at gmail at gmail yep dot com all right thank you very much for checking out the episode Uh, until next time peace